Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And so here's where you crack open your little bulletin that we handed you. You follow along in the church app and the, and the Bible app with the notes as we get into teaching for this morning. And so we've been looking for six weeks at this idea uh, of hopscotch. And you couldn't miss the big hopscotch board in the foyer. And we've been looking at some pretty serious subjects and pretty serious stuff that if we don't address in our life, it's the, it really is going to get in the way of our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our, the life God's called us to. It's, it's going to hold us back. And, and so we put a little bit of a fun package on it and put a little bit of a little childish spin on it. But really, when we get down to it, these are some serious, some serious things. And um, you can catch up on, if you missed any of the, the, the series, you can catch up on it on the podcast and, and find all of the previous stuff. And Pastor Steve did a great job on getting over thoughts last week. And we've just been looking at different, different things. We've launched with this idea every week that in Christ, nothing should hold us back. Nothing should hold us back in our growth to know God better and trust Him more. And, and we've got to get over some stuff. Um, that tries to hold us back. And we've looked at Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And we have this promise that no, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I'm convinced. Paul's writing and he's wanting the Roman believers to be convinced as well. But he says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That love is ours. He's he's freely given it to us. And and as we hold on to who God is and what he's done and the love of God for us, that is what helps us to be able to get over the things that try to separate us because we're reminded nothing can separate us. So as long as we go ahead and move forward and say, I'm just not going to let it separate me, we, we know that nothing can separate us. And so as we're wrapping up this series, that I want us to look at this idea that growing as a child of God means letting nothing stop you from living the full life that Jesus provides, especially fear. And we've looked at some big concepts. We looked at getting over ourselves and, and dealing with some of the way we view ourselves and some places of forgiving ourselves and, and dealing with that. And we launched with that idea because we got, we got to start right here. And, and we move forward in and, and forgiveness and getting over some stuff with others. And, and, and we looked at getting over opinions and, and we looked at, at getting over disappointment and, and, and the thoughts that invade our minds and all those different things. And we've, we've had some victories. I've been hearing the reports. And a lot of you have got back and said, man, this, this has been my favorite series. This has been my favorite series, Pastor. I've just loved this. And, and some of you have accessed the messages and listened to them multiple times. And they've helped you to be able to go ahead and let go of some of this stuff. And, and we want that. That's what this is about. And you get over some of these things. But then there's this other little obstacle that tries to come in right as you've got over it. And this obstacle of fear. It's an obstacle of fear that all of a sudden, that yeah, you got over it, but, but what if it comes back? What if it comes back? And there are these different things. Like let's take a relationship issue. 
that required a lot of forgiveness and dealing with disappointment and hurt and all sorts of stuff. And, and maybe, that, maybe there's a, a marriage that is, has had to push through and get through the, 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 the hurt of adultery. And they've, the, the marriage has won and, and they're living in a place where, of reconciliation and restoration. But this thing of fear begins to try to weasel its way back in and says, but what if, what if, what if? And so what we want to do is not only just get over the first thing that gets in our way, but there can be another thing that comes in right on the heels of it. And that's the fear that's going to come back. That all of a sudden we finally put other people's opinions behind us and we move forward and then we begin to move. And then there's a new group of people. There's a new something else that comes in and we've got, oh man, what if that comes in? So today we're going to look at not letting fear get in the way of anything that tries to hold us back. We're just saying together this idea that the battle belongs to the Lord. And the place where we let begin to let go of fear is when we remember that the battle belongs to him. That it's squarely on his shoulders. If we think the battle belongs to us, sometimes we get overwhelmed. But when the battle belongs to the Lord, it changes everything. See, Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. And it's, it's, if we put it in our v- vernacular, it's we cry out, Daddy, Father. That Abba is, it means Daddy. It's not just Father. It is this personal, endearing, home kind of word. That we cry out, Abba, Father. We cry out, Daddy, God. That, that, that we're that close and we're that connected. And that is what begins to dispel the fear. Is when we recognize that we've not, been, we've not received a spirit that makes us a slave of fear, but we remember that, that we're, we're sons and daughters of God. The, uh, one of my favorite stories on this was years ago, Weston, who is uh, um, soon to be 20 years old. 21. 21. Oh, my gosh. Soon to be 21. He was about three. So this has been a little while ago, which that seems more relevant. Him being three seems better than 21, but... And um, anyways, but we lived in a house um, that had a detached garage. And so we would park there in the driveway because I, I left the garage too full of stuff to park in. And so, and so we'd park in the driveway. And from our driveway, you'd have to go through the gate. But we had a low fence. And so I had great line of sight from the car to the back door. And so we would unload. So with... Um, Weston being three, Lulu was still in a car seat, and so I would have to get her out of the car seat, and I would have the older kids get out of the car, go into the backyard, and go to the back door and wait on us at the back door. And so there are times we would get home, and it's, it's night. And this was our backyard. This was Weston's backyard. And, and he hit a point where he would get up to the back gate and we're standing there, and the other two kids, Keenan and Brooklyn, had already gone in, and they're standing at the back door. And Weston is standing at the back gate, and he's looking in there, and he's looking. And it's dark. We didn't have a light back there, and he won't go in. And he's like, "Daddy, it's it's it's, it's dark in there. I, I I'm scared. I'm I'm scared." And I'm like, "Weston, you you don't have to be you don't have to be scared, son. You don't have to be scared. That's your backyard. You play in it all the time." You know the toys that are back there. You know what's back there. There's nothing back there but your siblings. Maybe that's why he was scared. 
You don't want to be left alone with Keenan and Brooklyn in the dark. So, and, uh, and so, but I was like, son, you don't have to be, you don't have to be scared. And so, so I would send him in there and he, he would, he would sit there and pull his little self together and he would walk in there and go back there. And so I was like, okay, we, we beat this. So a couple nights later, same scenario, we get up there, and this time he looks into the backyard, and this time he changed it up a little bit. And he looks back over, and you can see fear gripping him. He looks back over his shoulder, and he says, Daddy, am I scared? And he's trying to decide. And I was like, son, no, you're not, you're not scared. And he goes, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. And marches his way. And a couple of times to that, and he was never afraid of his own backyard ever again. But there was this beautiful moment where he feels this thing. It's already been established that there was this space that was his. As a child, as a little boy, the backyard is his domain. It's his kingdom. This place where he was to have memories and, and rule, and it was his space his space nobody made him clean up his toys in the backyard it was more his space than even his room and he was able to just enjoy it but fear was coming in and making him uncomfortable in a place that was clearly his it was clearly his for to enjoy and to fully live in and the enemy wants to do that with you he wants to take in and have fear come in and knock out knock you out from enjoying what is clearly yours what God has clearly provided for you. And if you will not push through the fear, you will be robbed of something that is fully, fully yours. We have to do this. And well, in his little moment where he was caught between the place of already having been taught that it was okay. And that he didn't need to be scared. But fear rising up anyways, he did the smartest thing he could ever do. And he went for a second opinion and went to daddy. This is what you and I have to do. When that begins to rise up, we go back to God's word. God, what do you have to say about this? Daddy, what do you have to say? We don't have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. Every time you get run into fear, you, the first thing that ought to be out of your mouth is, Abba, Father. Begin to talk to your heavenly Father. Begin to invite him into that situation. The battle belongs to him anyways. So begin to invite him into that situation and do that. And that's when we begin to shift and see, not be ruled by our own emotions or the thoughts that we've been trying to get over, but we begin to be ruled by what God has to say and really live in the fullness of all that he has for us to live in. 2 Timothy 1.7 is a scripture that me and the little girls quote every night. That put them to bed every night. We have our little prayer that we do and we go through. And then at the end of it, then we began to input this scripture, 2 Timothy 1.7. Because Preslin, our youngest, for, for whatever reason, we don't know, she just began to get began seized by a spirit of fear. She'd freak out. She thought she was alone in the house. She's never been left alone ever. We've left Carson by himself before. <laughs> We've got the Parent of the Year Award before. That's happened. So you got seven kids. You're going to lose one every once in a while, people. <laughs> don't judge us. It's going to happen. And so, but we'd never left Pressy anywhere. And she'd never heard the stories of Carson getting left, so she didn't even have it that way. But all of a sudden, if she thought she was alone in the house, she would let out the most blood-curdling scream. I mean, you really thought that she lost a limb. It was 
it was something terrible that happened. You come running, and she was just in a total panic, screaming in the middle of the room. And so, and it, it was just, it was sad, it was heartbreaking, because there was no reason for it. And so we began to just do this at night, and we began to quote this scripture. For God has not given me, given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And then on her own volition one night, she just decided to insert right at the end of that. We love you, Jesus. And so every night we say the scripture after we do all of our prayer stuff. The very last thing we do is quote 2 Timothy 1.7. And she says it. And Colin says it. And then they say, Daddy, you say it. So I say it over myself too. God's not giving me a spirit of fear either. And the last thing we say is that we love you, Jesus. And I'd given you, I told you all that a couple of months ago and we had begun to see some, some wins. And I'm telling you, as she has, we've, we have been reminding ourselves of that. Not seeing that, that hasn't displayed itself one single time since then. Not one single time. As the word of God began to seep down into that little six-year-old heart. Folks, it, the same thing is true with us. See, fear can cripple us from moving forward. With what we have been freely given. Matthew 25, 24 says, Then the man who had received one talent, this parable of the talents, man received one talent. He had the least responsibility given to him. There was five, two, and one. So the man who had been given one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And so I, I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And the response of the master is called him wicked and lazy. You're a wicked and lazy servant. But fear locked him down to where he wouldn't do anything with what had been entrusted in his hands. Well, the master had entrusted him with one talent. That was a, that was a year's worth of wages. It was, it was a significant sum of money. And he's so afraid of losing it that he did nothing with it. And that fear can hold us back from living out our full potential. There's a, if you're familiar with animals in the wild, you're all familiar with the badger. Badger is one of the meanest animals on planet Pound for pound has the most fight in it of any wild animal. You do not want to get on the bad side of a badger. And all sorts of, of dogs have been bred to do different kinds of hunting. And years and years ago, they began to breed a dog to be able to go into a badger hole, go head to head with a badger, kill a badger, and drag the badger out to its master. The most most ferocious wild animal, and this, this animal was bred to do it. They made sure that it was strong, that it was stout. Everything about it was designed to go down that hole and get this. This is an animal that was wired to be just as ferocious and go down into that hole and just do an amazing job. In fact, I have a picture of this dog that's bred for that. The weenie dog, the, the, the dachshund. It's bred to hunt badgers. That's why it's got the little bitty feet, little bitty legs. It's not a low rider dog. It is a, it, it's, it, it's designed that way. And it was wired to be able to go in and to fight. These, they just were bred with this courage. Now, whenever I was in high school, 
Um, my biology two teacher um, bred dachshunds, had tons and tons of them. All sorts of wire hair, long hair, all this stuff, dappled, all this stuff. I learned way too much about dachshunds and biology. And so when she would breed them, show them, and as soon as they got a champion designation, they had to win so many shows to get this champion designation, um, well, then they were, they were obviously worth more money with, as being bred out. And so she had had this one dog that would look just like that one. That was the markings, had the traditional dachshund coloring. And the dog's name was Silly. And she had the dog and she was taking it to shows where she did not realize that there was, that the judges were allowed um, to try to startle the dogs while they're on their little judging pedestal. They had a little table that they stand on. And the dogs are supposed to just hold their little posture, just like that little dog was just posed like the most majestic animal on the planet. And they're supposed to just stand there and just hold that. So, so this dog was doing that. It had already won two shows. It just needed to win the third show. And it was going to be able to get its champion designation and be able to, to be worth a, a lot of money. And this judge did something that judges are allowed to do but rarely do and come up to the dog while it's holding its posture and just real loud right at the dog's face went, caw, caw! and the dog freaked out and because it's not supposed, supposed to hold his posture and wet all over the table and just, and just shook. And so the, the, my teacher brought the dog to the school um, to try to get it around people more because the dog, she said, was, it's just almost ruined. And um, so, um, you know, if I finish this story, just forgive me on the front side. Just forgive me. And so, um, but anyway, so she brought the dog to school and began to work with the dog. And for whatever reason, the dog just did not like me. I don't know if it didn't like Polo, uh, did not like Polo Cologne. I don't know what it didn't like. And... Uh, and so, hey, if you're my age, you know you wore polo cologne back in the day. You know you did. And, uh, and so, uh, but anyways, this dog didn't like me, so she had this brilliant idea. She's like, um, you work with this dog, and if this dog can be good for you, it can be good for anybody. So I got out of homework assignments. I got out of quizzes. I sat at the back. This is a biology honors class, biology two honors class. I'm going to skip all sorts of assignments and just work with this dog. Work with it for about two weeks, getting A's on my stuff over there. It's all sorts of illegal. And, um, <laughs> and, so, and uh, so I'm working with this dog, and this dog finally begins to like, hold its own and be awesome. And so she's, a show is coming up that weekend, so she has the whole class, and has us all around. She's like, we're going to go ahead and put a crowd around this dog and this dog and make sure it does good. And so it's all, it's standing there. And I've been working with this dog for two weeks and it was doing great. We're all standing there. And I think I got possessed by the devil for a minute. I just could not resist. And we're all standing there and I went, and the dog peed everywhere and was ruined. And that teacher was so mad at me. I already had my A's. It was already done. And so... And she was so mad at me, and I might feel a little bit bad. And, um, but here was the sad thing, is this, this dog was bred for courage. This dog was bred for it. This dog was wired for courage to go down a badger hole and kill a badger. And it sat there, and it got afraid. And once that fear got set in, then all of a sudden it was one went away from being a champion. One went away. And the fear came in and held it back 
from what it was designed and built to do. And folks, so many different times there's things that as we move through life, the enemy wants to cut us off and wants to keep us away from the things that we're built for. And we cannot let fear come in and hold us back. We cannot do it. See, knowing that God is at work sets us free from fear. Matthew 1.20 says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And, and this is Joseph, and he's, been, he's, he's aware that Mary is pregnant, and it ain't his. He knows it's not mine. And so he's going to put her aside. But she's been, pre- she's been impregnated by the Holy Spirit and, and is uh, conceived with Jesus. And he's, Joseph is just going to quietly get out of this deal. But the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And as soon as Joseph was aware and convinced that God was the one at work there, he was able to put his fears aside. Once we understand that God's at work, when we convince that God's at work, then we can set the fear aside. Hebrews 13.6 says, for we have, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? One of those fears that tries to come in. Fears of people, fears of opinions, fears of all different things, fears of being hurt. That, but the Lord is my helper. He's with me. He's at work. See, knowing that God loves and values us sets us free from fear. Matthew 10 Verse 29 says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God's got to count a little higher with some of us than others, but he knows them. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And so do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. If his eyes on the sparrow, then don't you trust he's... He knows what's happening with you. Acts 4.13 says, And when they saw the courage, the courage, which of course is, courage is being in a place where you're not letting fear dominate you. Courage isn't necessarily the absence of fear trying its best. It's not that fear doesn't exist. Courage is not letting fear dominate, not letting fear decide, not letting fear win. That's what courage is. And courage comes in and says, and they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. These are just regular guys here. And they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What was their source of courage? Why did they not let fear dominate in their lives? It, like, it wasn't their training. It wasn't that they're a, better than everybody else we come across. It's that they spent time with Jesus. We spend time with Jesus. Our time with God is what makes the difference. It is, that is why it is so important. That's why we encourage you that, that this Sunday morning gathering is important and it, it's wonderful and I'm glad you're here. But as your pastor, I hope you're spending some time with God at home. Maybe driving in the car, maybe listening to the radio and worshiping in the car, maybe having some devotional times, maybe getting one of the devotionals off the Bible app and following that along. That You need to be spending some, some personal time with God. That is what makes the difference. 1 John 4, 16 says, And we know and we rely on 
the love God has for us. That is why we talk about the love of God at Celebration Church so much. So much because that's what we rely on. The enemy wants to come in and whisper on our ears that somehow the the mistakes of yesterday have lessened God's love for us today. And it's not true. It's not true. He's chosen to love you. He's more aware of your shortcomings than you are. You're living blind to some of them. You are clueless. Your neighbors know, but you don't. And that's the way it goes. But God is more aware than any of it, and he loves you. He loves you. He's for you. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we're like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Fear tries to come in. And sometimes it's like, how do we shake it? What drives that fear out is the love of God. What drives fear out of a relationship is is love for one another. It's love that drives the fear out. Sometimes we want to just take a vacuum and suck the fear out. And all of a sudden, just leave a place of nothingness. And guess what? Fear will seep right back in. But love drives it out. We keep love full, and it will keep the fear out. But love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We're not loving to try to get him to love us. We love because he loves us. His love is the engine that drives all of this. The the love of God lets us to live courageously, which is the most excellent way to live. Let's just live courageously. Now we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. But just want to remind you, when Paul wrote this letter, he was not chaptering and numbering his letter to Corinth. He just wrote the letter to Corinth. And we put in chapters and, num- and verse numbers so that we could find things. Okay, So this, this thought flow is one thought flow. So we're going to pick up in, ver- in chapter 12, verse 31. He says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. This is, this is the most excellent way of all. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is what matters. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how wise you are. It doesn't matter how much you understand. If love is not involved, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. See, love pushes out fear. And fear, well, man, it'll, it'll, it'll make It'll make patience go away. Why do we get impatient? Well, we get a little bit fearful that that maybe it's not what we're having to wait on isn't going to happen. 
that maybe what's happening in our life isn't going to happen. We need to, get, we need to get this going. And when we begin to recognize, no, we can wait. We can let God work. We can, let every, we can give this person we're waiting on some space. Let love come in and it pushes out the fear. And all of a sudden, patience shows up. All of a sudden, we push the fear. Love pushes the fear out. And patience just kind of shows up. Love, love's patient. Love's kind. We're usually unkind when there's some place of irritation. And our, most of our irritations come from some rooted place of fear. Love doesn't envy. Fear is always associated with envy. Something awesome happens in somebody else's life. Something great. And instead of just having joy for them, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we'll never have a house like that. I'll never get the promotion. All of a sudden fear comes in that you're going to be the one left out. And all of a sudden envy now comes in. Instead of just being able to celebrate this, the, the goodness in somebody else's life, fear begins to make you look at yourself and make this place of envy come in. But if we would just love, love God and love this other person, then all of a sudden then the envy automatically takes care of itself. We don't have to go, I'm not going to envy, I'm not going to envy. We're just like, I'm just going to love, and love will push out fear, and envy will, I mean, the envy goes with it. It doesn't boast, it's not proud. And then verse 13 says, now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but folks, the greatest of these, it's love. It's love. Love lets everything else begin to grow with it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And how do we be men of courage? How do we be strong? Do everything in love. Love is strong and gritty and, and is the driver for all of God's blessings in our life, all that God has for us. In our lives. See, our bottom line is no love. To know love equals no fear. To know love, to know God as love equals no fear. It pushes it out. And then we can get over all this mess, all this mess that tries to hold us back. And when we live in the grace and the love that we have in Christ, then we can really get over the hurdles of life. That's when it happens. That's when it happens. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.